Father, we thank you so much to hear about your word, that, your word that's being sent out, uh, not only globally, but locally. And we thank you for those that have been distributed um, day in and day out. And we just really pray as, as the seed is sown, that people might have open hearts and that lives um, will be changed as they open up to your message to them. Uh, Father, we pray that also for us as we look in your word. And we pray that you might really uh, speak into us as far as how uh, we play a part in what you want to do, uh, not only in our lives, but in the lives of people. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, obviously, we want to encourage you as, as we think about Bibles in America. Most people have two or three or four or five. Uh, the problem is most of them don't open those two or three or four or five throughout the week. And sometimes we get in the habit where we, we don't bring them with us. We don't use them. encourage you to, to uh, not only um, have uh, the Bible, but bring it with you. It's like a textbook. It's like God's um, open invitation to, to hear from him. Sometimes we, we wonder, well, why doesn't God speak to me? And God's saying, I'm speaking to you all the time. In fact, I, I wrote it down because I know you forget so easily. And so uh, we have the privilege of looking back to what he's already said. And quite frankly, uh, there, there's so much he's already said, I don't need anything new. I, I just need to understand what he's already uh, said to me and to us as well. If you have your Bibles, if you don't have one, there is uh, some Bibles and probably the, uh, the chair in front of you or behind you or to the side of you. And we want you to turn to the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth is in the Old Testament. It's the eighth book. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. It's a little book. If you go through those pages fast, you will miss it because it's only uh, four chapters long. And it's a book in case you want to put things in context that was written uh, basically 3,000 years ago. As you think about the New Testament, about 2,000 years ago, if you kind of just generalize the numbers, and then you look at when Ruth was written. It was written during the period of the Judges, maybe around 1100, 1200, and it was right before God kind of brought his kingdom work into establishing Israel and giving them a king, and particularly as it led into David and then the king of kings that came as Jesus came to this world. But this is a book, this is a book in which even those who don't believe this, uh, what's, what's in here as far as coming from God. They're, they're amazed by what has been written. And I share with you, I think, as we began this uh, mini-series, that Benjamin Franklin, who had a respect for the Bible but didn't necessarily believe everything that was in it, said this, this is the greatest love story ever written. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a kind of sucker for anything that they say is the greatest. You know, if I'm going down the road and they say, this is the greatest hamburger ever made, I go, let's pull over and have the greatest hamburger. This is the greatest donut. I want to eat the greatest donut that's ever been you know, made. What, whatever's the greatest. And of course, that gets you every five miles with something that's the greatest. And, and so just hearing that someone as, as refined as Benjamin Franklin, this is a great love story, above all else, I go, well, I want to read that. You know, I, I miss you. The, the book of Ruth is, is really a chick flick. This is... This is there's only two books in the Bible that are given to the names of ladies. You've got Ruth and Esther, and, and that's usually, you know, if there aren't car crashes, I don't want to watch it, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but there were probably maybe um, um, chariot races in this book uh, somewhere here. There, there weren't buildings blown up, but there were there was some heartache and pain going on. There was a famine in the land. Uh, but this is a story that grabs us because of the people in it. And, and really, even us guys who are afraid to admit it, we'll say that now. And that was, that, was a, that was a pretty good movie because somehow it grabbed us. We could identify what was going on. We saw the need, and even if that need wasn't exactly the need that we're particularly going through or the challenge we're going through, we realized we have challenges. And how do we deal with the challenges of life? I've entitled this series, Surprised by God. And, and that is 
as we think about life, we're surprised in a variety of different ways about what happens. And, and it is true that life happens, doesn't it? I mean, day in and day out, there, there are things that go on. You go, wow, man, that, that, that happened. I was driving to, to, to church this morning. And I, I, for whatever reason, I was a little bit in a rush. And, and that, that yellow light that I thought was going to stay yellow a bit longer was <laughs> kind of turned red before I got in the intersection. You know, life happens. Uh, and, and, you know, what, what are we going to do when life happens and how are we going to respond to it? Well, th- this is a story surprised by God. And as we looked at last week, there, there are two types of surprises. You know, I'm a pretty simple kind of guy. The two types of surprises, there are good surprises and there are bad surprises. And, and I don't know about you, but if I had a choice, I would take the good surprises over the, the bad surprises. I guess we're all a little bit alike, right? And, and yet we need to realize that, that God, because of, we live in a fallen world, and the Bible describes that with a three-letter word beginning with the letter S, and that word is sin. You are a sharp group, all right? And because there's sin in the world, then we need another word beginning with the letter S. We need a Savior. You are, you are really good this morning, all right? This is what this book is about, is that we live in a fallen world. Life happens there are good surprises, there are bad surprises, and, and how, how are we going to deal with it? This, this is a chick flick, and in another way you could say it's, it's a great romance story. It's a love story. And, and by quick review before we look at uh, what God wants to tell us about being the good surprise. See, is that there's the romance story, and then there's the challenge to participate in the romance. And in one sense, we all participate, but in what way are we participating? As you read the Bible, some put it this way, there, there is the story and then there's the, the story. There's what's happening here on earth and then there's what's happening above the earth, which is a place we call, there's the things in the earth and then you're not doing so good right now. And then the things above the earth and then we call that place heaven, you know. And, you know, Jesus prayed that. He said, you know, I, I, he, that was a model prayer for us that, um, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And heaven, God's will is done perfectly. And what God is going to be doing, he's going to bring heaven to earth. In a sense, when Jesus came, that was the foretaste of that. And so as we read the Bible, and you kind of miss it, in fact, you know, we've, we've urged you, and this is my commercial here, to, to go through the book of Leviticus with us. There's that little PT with God, personal time with God. Leviticus is, is a tough book. But it really kind of tells you about what's happening in heaven as far as thinking about heaven as we, as we do things here on earth. Well, well this story is about that. And, and let me put it as simply as possible. The story on earth is, you ever heard this? And this is, this is probably new to everybody. Boy loves girl. That's the story. A boy loves a girl. And, and, and to put it in, a, in, a, in the reality of her experience, the boy saves the girl. Because she's impoverished. She's in need. Not only she's in need, but her... Her uh, mother-in-law is in need. And so boy meets girl, boy saves girl. Now, I was thinking about that as I used that as a line. I think, well, you know, in this particular part of the story, the romance story, it is also reversal. Even though it was boy meets girl, sometimes it's, it, it happens in a different order. Girl meets boy, all right? And it's not the boy saving the girl. It's the girl, what? Saving the boy, right? And maybe that happens more often than the other, Okay. And that was a reversal, even though Boaz rescues Ruth. If you were to hear Boaz say, no, it was Ruth rescuing me. 
But there's a bigger story than that. Uh, or there's a story above the story. The story here on earth and the story on, in heaven. And, and that story is God loves people. And God saves people. Now that part of the story you can't reverse. You know, we didn't love God before he loved us. So we, we, we can't reverse that. And we don't save God because he doesn't need saving. We're the ones that are lost. He's not lost. We're lost. But that's really the, the story of Ruth. Boy meets girl. Boy saves girl. But the bigger idea here is that God meets people and God saves people. But in thinking about this as a story about surprise by God, we need to understand that, that life is happening and And God wants us to realize that as life goes on, we're to participate in the bigger romance. His romancing of us to himself. But as we go through, there are certain challenges because as as we go through life, we're surprised often by the bad things that happen. When bad things happen and we can't point the finger at enough people, we eventually point our finger not downward, but what? Upward. And we begin blaming God. And and we, we already heard that last week. Naomi says... I'm afflicted by God. Because the pain was, was so deep, it, it, it just seemed beyond imagination. And, and some of you are going through things like that now. Um, you know, we live in Orange County, so the first one doesn't really apply to us. But, you know, she was moved to a place in which you could only describe as horrible. She, she, she was led by her husband to, to live in Moab. Now, Moab wasn't necessarily geographically a horrible place, but spiritually it was a wasteland. That, that God says it's like, a, it's like a water pot. It's like a trash can. Who, who goes there on purpose? Now, sure, that's like living in El Centro. I mean, who goes there on purpose? Okay. Your, 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 your employer tells you that's where you're going to work. But it got much better. Worse than that, because you can live in some horrible places, but if you meet people there, that that place becomes special. But as she got there, it wasn't long before she lost her husband when he was young. And and now she became a widow without any means of support. But but the good news was she had two sons, and the two sons could be the providers for for her as well as um, the ones that they married. But then it wasn't long, and not only did she lose her husband, she lost her sons. That, that happens in our day, but at least there's other means of support. But, I mean, for a widow in those days, you, you had really no chance of employment. Uh, the good news was God provided there was going to be bread in the land, the place of the, uh, the house of bread, Bethlehem. And, and so she had an opportunity to go back, but she had to go back as a charity case. I mean, things were bad. And then she, she felt compelled to try to persuade her daughter-in-law, who she liked, but she said, this is, this is not good for you to go. You need to stay. So things had been bad. But that was the bad news. And, and now we hear about the good news. But what I want to challenge us all this morning, and, I, and I've got a homework assignment for you. I, we, we always have homework because you're supposed to do the Bible study afterwards. But, but I, I got a, pra- a very practical step or thing to do this week, to do that's doable, but it's going to demand my first point in participating in the romance. 
And, and the first point is, is to realize as, as we participate with God, we have to say, well, how do we want to participate? Uh, do we want to be a good surprise? And hopefully that's an easy question to answer. Yeah, I want to be a good surprise. I don't want to be a bad surprise. Uh, or to put it, I, I, I want to be a dream, not a nightmare. Or to put it even more practically, I, I want to be a person who helps and doesn't hurt. And, and really, that, that really defines, what, what does it mean to be a good surprise? Are you a person that just, man, you are just so helpful. I mean, you are the, you are the channel of God's love. You, you bring a smile to people when you're around them, and, and you're helping, not hurting them. But for that to happen, to, to be a dream, not a nightmare, to be a good surprise, not a bad surprise, to be a person who helps, doesn't hurt, it demands a choice. It's a choice. And, and in case I don't get to spend a whole lot of time on my second point, which is pretty simple, as far as participating in the romance, it, it, it's a choice, but it's also a God thing. Because we, we aren't just left as we think about this journey of, of knowing God to, just to do something on our own. It's whatever happens, it, we're just participating in what God is allowing us to participate. So it's, it, God is in control. And so it is a God thing. But our part of it is making the choice. And, and let, me, let me just say this for free now. We're going to talk about the little choices in life. The little are not, they're not important, but before you take the little choices in life, you've got to make sure you make the big choice. The, the big choice is, is making sure you really know God. And, and I want to refer back to this because this is the heart of the, the message of Ruth is, Ruth had come to that point, even when Naomi was in her worst condition. I mean, she was devastated. Going to, uh, to Moab didn't make her better, made her bitter. In fact, that's how she wanted to be renamed. I, I just, just call me bitter. I know you thought I was a pleasant, positive person. As far as we know, that's the kind of person she was. We don't see her fighting her husband. No, we can't go to Moab. She, I mean, she followed. But she became bitter. But even in that, her, her life had been a testimony because Ruth had come to that point, seen something in her that she wanted. Say, I want you to know, Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, I will go where you go. I will lodge where you lodge. I will be with your people and be part of who they are. And then your God will be my God. So, so she made the big choice. She, she got her life settled with God. She had, she had crossed over the line from being in darkness into light. And Moab was a place called a spiritual wasteland. She had been there. She had, she had been an idolater. An idolatress, I guess you could call it, on the feminine side. And now she was a believer in the true God. She made the big choice. And when she made the big choice, then every other choice was much, much more easier to make. And then she became a participant in the romance story. It became a blessing, not a burden, to those around her. Well, let's pick up the account in Ruth chapter 2. And in it, as you think about making choices, the good choices that allow you to be good, a good surprise in other people's lives... There are some specific things you can kind of put a handle on what, what makes a, up a good choice. Uh, Ruth chapter 2, begin with verse 1. Now, there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, great valor, uh, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. And, and this is thrown in here in the beginning of the story almost as a throwaway line. Well, what, what do you, why'd you say that? Because at this point in the story, 
no one, even Naomi, as well as Ruth, know that he's out there. And, and they're going to somehow connect with him. But God knew. And, and so as the author of, of Ruth throws this out, he said, I want you to know this is always in the back story. And, and when you try to understand, well, how, how does God move? How does God orchestrate what he does? If we talk about God being sovereign or providential, it, it, it really means this. That God is not only the, if you were to put it in, in terms of music, God is not only the author or the composer of music, but he also conducts it. And, and so he orchestrates things. He, he brings things in to pass so that his will gets done. And, and so as, as Ruth and Naomi are in a land, they're going, I don't know how this is all going to work out. I want you to know there's a, there's a man of great wealth, of great valor, great, great respect. And he's also a relative of your late husband, which down the road the story becomes unfolded where that, that's critically important. You don't know so, but it's going to happen. But Ruth comes on the scene, and, and they are in need. They came back to Bethlehem with nothing. And so Ruth is there. And, 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 and again, remember the story. Naomi was trying to persuade, and she did with Orpah and Ruth, to say, stay here. So somehow she felt it was better for them and maybe better for her that she goes back to Bethlehem. But when she got to Bethlehem, okay, she was still destitute. She didn't have anything. So somehow she was going to have to figure out a way that she could live. And all of a sudden, right now, Ruth makes a choice. So Ruth, verse 2 the Moabites said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. Which simply put it to this, please let me go out there and work for you. You know, and, and Naomi jumps at it and she says, go my daughter. Now, have you, have you ever had, this happened to me all the time when I was growing up. My my, my mom would sometimes say, Mike, would you like to do the dishes for me? No. Or she'd say, would you like to take out the trash? And I'm thinking, that is the dumbest question anybody's ever been asked. Now, if she said, will you wash the dishes? You know, then I can understand right my mind right. Or will you take out the trash? But you're asking me, would, you, would I like to do the dishes? I don't know about you. I don't particularly enjoy doing dishes. I don't particularly enjoy taking the trash out. But what is Ruth doing here? She's not only offering to work, she asks with a, the letter, the word what? Please, please let me. Please let me clean the toilet. You know, please let me, you know, whatever. Please let me do that. Now, that's radically different than how, at least I, live. I, I'm not, that's not my first thought in my mind to do a chore I do not want to do. Particularly if I'm not sure how the reaction is going to be to the people I'm working with or for. So let me put it very simply. To be involved in God's romance, participate in what he wants you to be. After you've made the big decision, you realize that you're now saved, as some people say, saved to serve. So to be a good surprise in people's lives is, is volunteer and meet a need. It, it's as simple as that. Uh, Ruth <laughs> is in Bethlehem, a foreign land. They have needs. She doesn't know anybody but she says, look it, I, I'm, your God is now my God. Your, your, your God has helped me, now I want to help you. I, I have been blessed, 
to use the phrases, the cliches in the Christian life. Now I want to be, I've been blessed, now I want to be a blessing. Well, how do you, how do, you do that? Well, it, as simple as this, you volunteer, ask permission, please let me wash the dishes, you know. Please let me take out the trash. Please let me do something for you. And Naomi, we don't know how her age was, but it is it, probably maybe obvious that she wasn't going to be able to do that. And so she jumped at the offer of helping, of being helped by someone who was willing to help her. But, but let's move on the account. Uh, verse 3, then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Who, who was of the family of Elmelech. And stopping there for a moment. So, so she goes off, and she's in a land that she does not know a whole lot about. She knows that, that what, what they have provided, their, their welfare program in Israel, was not a government-led program, but those who had uh, resources, when they would, they would harvest their crops, they would harvest them all around, except the edges they would leave unharvested. Or if they did cut them down, they would, they would not gather them up. So those who were orphans, those who were widows, those who were needy, those who, who needed more than what they had, they were not um, just uh, looked down upon, but they were encouraged to go to those fields and pick up what they needed. As she went out, she was probably, you know, if, if, if that were true, and, and I've had the opportunity to glean a little bit. My, my, uh, my aunt and uncle live in Idaho, and in Idaho they have this little thing that sometimes you put whipped cream, not whipped cream, you put uh, sour Sour cream and butter and chives and what are those called? Potatoes. Well, you, you can go and you can glean and get free Idaho potatoes because there, there are places on the edges where they just leave them there. And you just go in there and pick whatever size you want. Well, that's basically what she went to the fields. But, but she, as she was going out there, she said, well, uh, this is, you know, I'm, I'm a single lady here. And I'm a, I'm a foreigner not particularly well-liked in terms of my ethnic race, where, where am I going to go that's going to be safe? And, and it says here, very, very simply, it says, and sh she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to who? Boaz. And as far as participating in, in the, the, the bigger story, God's romance story, where we're participating in being a channel of love to other people. We, we, we do something. We volunteer and meet a need. And what, whatever, uh, th this week, all of us are going to see needs unmet. Or are we going to see some things that, that maybe aren't up to what they should be? And we're like, man, if I had done that, it would have been, well, then to go ahead and do it. Uh, th there'll be some people that are just out there that, that need someone to be concerned about them, to help them in a, in a place where maybe they can't help themselves. But how, how do I get started with that? I mean, how do I know what me to, uh, need to meet or, or where to do it? Even I know what I should do, well, well, who should I do it with or where should I do it? Can I, can I put it as simply as, as I'm trying to this morning? How do you know God's will in an area, you, you know, where God, you know, God did not, in a verbal way, tell Ruth to go to that field. She just happened to go there. You know what does that really say about God working? Is that if you move your feet, you'll see God direct. Have you ever tried to, to steer a car that's not moving? Man, it doesn't work real well. 
You, you get the car moving, and, and you, can, you can navigate that thing. And if we're always waiting to do something for God and thinking God's going to lead us in some kind of a mysterious way, that's not how God normally does it. You move, and God will direct your path. And, and, and this was in here before the Gideons would come in, who, who are some, uh, the brightest lights out there in terms of pushing God's word in a good way. But the, the Bible is that place where God does move us. If you do what God has already said for you to do, then you know you're in God's will. And then God will, in a happenstance way, direct you, or you'll find yourself in a place, unbeknownst to you, is exactly where God wants you to be and to do. You know, Psalm 119, 105, your, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm uh, 119, 133, direct my steps by your word. That's how he directs us, by his word. And how, how that happens in areas where we, which are not revealed directly here. Where do I live? What kind of job I have? Who do I marry? Any of those kind of things. Is, is if you're doing God's will in your life that you know, then God will direct you in the, in the places where you do not know. So Ruth got moving. She just didn't say, I'll work, hoping to say, well, no, she'll say no. She got the yes, and then she moved out and did it. And then she happened to find the exact place to go. Now, Boaz was an interesting employer. How, how would you like this as your boss? Look at verse uh, uh, 4 and 5. When, when Boaz would go to the field, he would say, Now, Boaz, behold, came from Bethlehem and said to his reapers, The Lord be with you. And they all answered back, The Lord bless you. Just turn to the person next to you and say, The Lord be with you. And then just say, The Lord bless you. Try that ten times this week. No, anyway. You know, but anyway, I, I don't know. I wouldn't mind working in a place like that, right? Uh, that boss is probably a pretty good boss. And she just happened to find this field. You know, God wants us to see a need and meet it. And God wants us to get moving. And sometimes that can be as simple as, as seeing a person that is all alone. That somehow they're, they're on the outside where everybody seems to be on the inside. Well, I think we've all experienced that. Uh, one of the, you know, when Ruth went to Bethlehem with Naomi, I'm sure Naomi was, was pretty impressed that Ruth really was willing to go, but she was probably still wanting just one more mouth to feed. She wasn't sure that she was going to be a blessing. And, and Ruth began meeting needs that Naomi couldn't even imagine would happen. You know, in your home, did you, if you have multiple kids, you don't realize multiple kids, you know, one kid seems to be the person who always breaks things. Anybody have that? You know, I think I've told you before, in our house, when something broke, we all knew who it was going to be. It was Mark. Mark broke everything. Uh, the kids unanimously would just shout, Mark did it, Mark did it, you know. Um, and, uh, well, I won't tell you, well, you know, Mark, yeah, Mark would do it. But, you know, Mark did grow up a little bit. He doesn't break as many things as he used to. And, and I remember when he was in high school, I remember him telling me the story of a kid at school. And, and, and here's where you just, you meet a need wherever you are. And it was one of those kids at school. He, at this point, you know, he had grown up, and now he was the senior at, at the school, and there was a freshman. And the freshman, he was a little guy, and he was looking around, you know, the proverbial lunch break, and there's no one to sit with. And at that point, 
Uh, Mark's always had a big head and it's still big at that point. He, he had his own entourage, you know. He had his own entourage up. And, and, uh, and he says, you know, there's a kid at school, Dad. He wasn't sitting anywhere. And, and so I went up to him and said, all right, you sit with us every lunch break now. He probably said it like that. He didn't ask him to sit with us. He said, you are sitting with us, you know, every time. He was kind of pushy. I don't know anybody in our family that's pushy. But, you know, he, he was kind of saying, you're sitting with us every lunch break. Okay. Found out a week later that that kid was about to leave the school. Because he had no friends. And you think, well, that, that was simple. But all you have to do is look into a life and see something missing. And say, well, how could I help? Maybe I'll just go over and talk with them, sit at their table. Befriend them when no one else is befriending them. But, you know, as we think about being participating in God's plan, it gets really practical, too. Because the story goes on, and all of a sudden, it, remember, it's boy meets girl. Boy loves girl. Boy saves girl. So, so Boaz, all of a sudden, as he's looking at his land, he, he sees someone he had never seen before. And so he asks the question. Verse 9. So the servant, um, the verse, actually verse uh, 5. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, uh, who, who's, who's young woman? Who, whose young woman is this? Who is this? And, and so the, the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the, the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. So here all of a sudden you have someone noticing someone. Now, Boaz, and, and there's been as much as been read. Well, well, why, did, why did, and this, all the people reaping, why did he notice uh, Ruth? Now, it, it's quite possible Naomi... Is pictured in a beautiful way in, in, in the book of Ruth. Some say her name could be not only friend, but it could be glamorous or beauty. And it could have been where there was love at first sight. She, he saw this hot you know, gal and said, I, I want to get to meet her. And, and guys, let me know. If, if you want to meet a girl, you're going to have to find out something about her, right? Okay. So he says, I, I want to find out about her before I talk to her. And so she says, can you tell me? It's like junior high school. Okay, can you tell me something about this girl? And she's like, she's the, she's the Moabite. She's the one who came back from Naomi, with Naomi. You know, Bethlehem is not a particularly big town. It's not a particularly big town even now. And, and so really, oh, that's the one where I've been hearing all the gossip about. Now, the interesting thing about here, and this is what we've tried to kind of ingrain here at our church, is that, you know, gossip in most senses in the, in the Bible is in a negative way. But you can turn that around for good. Because you can, gossip simply is saying something about someone when they're not there. That's, that's the essential definition of that word. It, it only becomes like surprises, good or bad, depending upon what you're saying about that person. If you're saying something bad about that person, then it's bad gossip. You're, you're tearing them down. But, but what they said about Ruth was, was good gossip. They just, they just gave him the facts. This is... This is the one that everyone's talking about. She was willing to leave everything to support her mother, her mother-in-law. And everyone only says good things about her. 
And, and even, even what we've seen, it, it measures up because since she's been here, she has worked hard. She's only rested a little bit. And so if I were to make a simple observation there, I, I'd put it this way. You work hard and you'll be noticed. I, I heard a, uh, a pastor with a fairly large ministry in Oregon, uh, Mark Driscoll. I didn't tell you to turn the page. Why are you guys turning the page yet? You know, no. And, and I, I just read a quote about it. He says, he was talking to, to young men. And he, he's pretty brutally honest with the young men. He says, you know, you want to be significant and different out there? Then get a job and mow your lawn. Nobody does that in Oregon. You know, <laughs> you know when, when we think about being noticed, you know, what is an employer looking for employees? People who will work hard. And, and so with, with Ruth, she probably had beauty on the outside, but his... His reapers were saying, she's got beauty on the inside. She works hard. She doesn't just give lip service to helping people. She works hard at helping. And so she was noticed. Uh, What's the bigger point I'm trying to make this morning? As we think about participating in God's romance, as we've been loved by him, then then as, as God willingly sent his son for us, we willingly move ourselves out to help others. When we think about knowing what is it God wants us to do, we all ask that question, simply move your feet and God will direct you. Just do something for him. Then thirdly, if you wonder, well, how am I supposed to do what I do? Well, do it heartily. Do it to your very best. God will notice. People will notice. It makes a difference. Lots of choice. Now you may turn your page. But it's also also a God thing. God is behind all of this. And we don't have the time to, to, to do what I was going to do with this passage. And I know you hate when I say that, but that's my fault because I did it this way. It is you see in the life of Boaz, God moving. And, and, and let me just kind of summarize the conversation. You know, Ruth is blown away by the action of Boaz. So, why, why have I found favor in your eyes? Well, who am I? In fact, if any... If any Reasonable person would have think this true. I've been the last person you would have singled out to talk to. What, what, what do I have to offer? I'm undeserving of your intention. And he goes the, to great lengths to, to not only continue to allow her to, to glean from the field, pick up the, the stuff that has not been harvested. I, I want you to know that you can come back every week. And I've told everybody around that you, you, you protect her. In fact, that's what he means. I, I told him, you don't touch her. But you don't, you don't try to single off from the herd and, and try to make her one of your uh, conquests. Isn't that, isn't that like God? Because God's goodness is undeserving. How, how, how come you're favoring me? And, and it's, it wasn't deserving, but he reached out and, and picked someone who was an outcast and said, I'm going to care for you. I'm choosing to care for you. And then it goes on further. He, 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 he talks about, let me understand. It, let me, I want to make this very clear to you. If you come back regularly and, and, you, and you do all that you can, you will be rewarded. And it's we think about it. The Bible says that without faith is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe, believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who seek him. 
And so Boaz talked about that she would be rewarded. And she would be rewarded because she had made not only the little choices that were significant, but she had made the big choice. Uh, look at, uh, this is a great phrase in, in Ruth chapter 2, verse 12. The Lord repay your work. So she, he had noticed she worked hard and that she was doing the right things in the right way. And, and then he made it a bigger, a bigger story. He says, I want you to understand, this is not just a human doing something humanly well, but this, this mirrors God. He says, the Lord repay your work. And a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel. And this is the statement. Under whose wings you have come for refuge. That's a great statement of what faith really is. It comes to that point in your life. You say, you know, I'm tired of just trying to survive or live on my own. And, and, you know, we, we can do some type of job doing that. But when we become followers of the true God, it really comes to the point where you say, I I, I can't do it on my own. I, I need that, those wings of protection that cover me. I'm going to rest in him and not my own strength. He said, that that's what you have done, and God will repay that. And so as we think of what, what is God saying, it's God's goodness undeserving, it's God's rewards, a true faith, and then it's coming to that point in, in this whole story, it's God's loving kindness is more than enough. And you'll see this. He says, not only can you glean from my, from my fields, but you can come in, and, and this is unheard of, but you can, you can have lunch with us every day. You can eat with us. And, and then he provided for her, and then he didn't just give her the, the bare minimum. He, he gave her more than she could eat, and, and she kept some of it and, and took it back in that, to Naomi. And, and then he even told his, his reapers, he said, I want you to do this. I want you to not only encourage her to take the outside part of our our harvest fields and glean from the parts that we have left for the, the widows and the poor and the orphans and the destitute. But I want you to encourage her to come closer to where we've actually harvested and bound it, and she can pick up those uh, from, she can glean, she can take from what we've already harvested. In fact, in case she doesn't get it, I want you to drop something next to her so she'll pick it up. You know, it's like the proverbial dad who lets their son or daughter win at a game, you know, just, I want, I want them to, I never did that, but anyway, is that, you know, is, is that, you know, you, 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 you give them something because you want to encourage them and support them, and, and she had come to the point where she was overwhelmed, and then she told Naomi, and Naomi was overwhelmed, and, and she began to realize that, that Boaz was more than enough that they would ever need, in fact, her first coming home, she had, she had brought, in fact, you know, in that prayer, where the, the Lord's Prayer, you've heard that prayer before, right? You know, you know, pray for our daily bread. You know why they had to pray for the daily bread? Because the next day, they didn't have any bread. And so each day, they, they were day to day. And particularly if you were poor. I mean, there were those who obviously were very much supported. But he said, I, I, I want you to understand that, that this is more than enough. And she took home enough food, not for the day, but for many days. And see, that's what we need to understand about God. His, his goodness is undeserving. He will reward our trusting in Him as we put ourselves under His wings. And we need to know that really in Him, it's more, more than enough. But the takeaway this, this morning, this is the homework assignment. It's very simple. One is to answer the question, are, are you a, a surprise? We're all a surprise to people. But are you a good surprise? But, but I want to make it intentional this week. I, I, I want each of us to to go through the week looking for those opportunities for us 
to befriend someone who's maybe all alone. And, and that's as simple sometimes, just going up and talking to them or bringing them into your world. I, I want you to look at a, maybe a task at home that maybe you don't, you, know, you don't do those kind of things and say, well, maybe, maybe this week I, I will. I'll, I'll take that task, that household concern, whether it be inside or outside, I'll, I'll do that. Or it might be a symbol, I'm going to write that card I, I know I should have been written, or uh, that I, that I, that just a word of thanks to somebody this week. I, I just, I, what, what a surprise if, if we got some cards, you know, I really appreciate you in this, or, or a telephone call or a visit. Or maybe it is a person that you know that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you say, I, I just want to tell you my story. I just want to tell you about how Jesus has made a difference in my life. Is it possible that, wouldn't that be the church unleashed if this week we were his army of good surprises? That somehow we did, to them, a random act of kindness where we just, we were kinder and gentler than we normally are. And we're like Ruth, pleased with the privilege of the opportunity to do that. Let's pray. Father, as we continue to worship and show you our love through our giving, and just thank you for the word of God that speaks into lives. Help us this week to be people who are surprises in a good way so that we can be vessels of your love to others. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.